Lance Bush is burning, it's burning for you. Lance Bush is burning, it's burning for you. Welcome to another edition of Lens Burning Bush. I am Len Harvey. Before I bring on my guest for the week, I want to talk about what's really burning my bush. So if you tuned into last week's episode, we left you on kind of a cliffhanger, whether or not I would make it back from the Bahamas or even get to the Bahamas. That was with Jezebel Montero last week. So make sure you go back and listen if you haven't. But I did make it back and I did make it to the Bahamas. It was, it was a lot of fun. I, I did had to do the COVID test, uh, then load everything into the system, had to take the COVID test back, did make it. I will tell you that if you ever have gone to the Bahamas or go to the Bahamas and you're going to stay in Atlantis, stay at the Cove. I would really recommend uh, staying at the Cove. And they do not um, sponsor this show in any way, but the Cove is a wonderful place and you will have a spectacular time. It's just the getting there is a pain in the, in the tuchus, as I like to say. So here's what I'm going to you know, go to. This is where my bush is burning, okay? Obviously, I had a wonderful time in the Bahamas. It's hard to burn your bush when you're had it. To- I did burn my toes, though, uh, from the sun, but that's, a, that's another episode, okay? So here is the thing. Airline travel is abysmal. Let me say it aloud. Airline travel is abysmal. Now, I know I've talked about this before. Every time I fly, it just makes me more angry. And even if you fly first class, it's not even the same as it used to be. Okay, the airlines are the problem. Yes, they fill all the seats on the plane. They have six seats across on a 737 with no room in the middle. So you can't even put the cart up and down without hitting somebody in the elbow. Uh, That is ridiculous. You can't even walk. Somebody goes to the bathroom. They're they're going to hit you. It is just uh, amazing. You know, watch out if you have the aisle seat. But what is extremely funny is that you have to wear a mask on the plane, which again, I I get it. I totally get it. We don't want to give anyone COVID, but I'm sitting on top of someone here who I don't even know. We might as well be hugging and kissing already because that's kind of the, 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 uh, the whole thing, right? The whole experience just blows from the beginning as everyone is some kind of medallion member and some kind of a whatever, but they, they, they had this crazy idea that boarding by zone is a good thing, right? Boarded from the back of the plane already. It's such a pain in the neck the way they do it. But what the biggest problem is, is you have these stupid people that are standing up in the airport. And they're not ready to board yet, but they're blocking everybody else from boarding. Get, sit down. They're not leaving without you, okay? You need to respect the zones. I know it's a crazy experience, but you need to respect the zones and and just don't stand up you know, and wait, like I said, they are not going to leave the, without you in if you're in the, in the building there, they're not leaving without you. It's just amazing. I know you got that heavy roller board in and you want to get it in the overhead bin. Again, I go back to the airlines. If they would just stop charging people to check bags, this would all go away. They should provide you with a complete solution, which includes bag fees, maybe a lunch, Go back to giving something on the plane, a real drink maybe. Back in the day, they used to do that. People used to dress up on the plane. They used to have it, all that kind of stuff. I know I'm old, and I know it's all kinds of crazy stuff, but it is just ridiculous. I mean, on the plane home, they told us, so get this. I know it was a smaller flight, um, a smaller, uh, it was only about a 45-minute flight or an hour flight 
on the way home. But they told us they were only serving water, tea, coffee, or hot water. And then they had some cookies or whatever like that. I mean, prisons have better menus than this. Really? This is all you can do? I mean, throw peanuts at you? It reminds me of the no-frills airline where you had to bag all your stuff together. It is getting ridiculous. And hey, Delta, don't ask me to do a survey on this because you're not going to want to hear from me on, on how a survey is. It is just ridiculous on this. you got to fix this. It, it is just it is crazy. And don't lie to me on the safety message and tell me to sit back and relax and enjoy the rest of your flight. Really? I've enjoyed riding in a smart car more. I mean, this is the way it is. The other burning bush thing is why do people feel the need when the plane lands that they have to stand in the aisle immediately? Buddy, you're not going anywhere for 10 minutes. Sit down. There is no reason. You're not going to forget your bag, and I know you have a connecting flight. We all do, okay? Sit down. And then they don't respect the rules that each row is supposed to go and, and, and both sides and, and let you go. No, they've got to got to push their way up and they've got to do all this stuff. It reminds me of the elevator, right? Get off, let the people get off the elevator before you start going on, okay? No one cares about you. It is just we need to be respectful of all people instead of thinking only of yourself. I'm exhausted. With that being said, it's time to bring on my guest for the week. She is a writer, director, performer living in Los Angeles, California. She co-created and co-starred in the comedy hit series TV Guide uh, Letter Theater. She also wrote BoJack Horseman on Netflix, School of Rock. It goes on and on. She wrote and performed sketches for Conan on TBS, among many things. She's also hosted and produced a much better podcast than Lens Burning Bush, Two Degrees of <laughs> Alley. Please welcome Allison Floral to Lens Burning Bush. And Allison, I want to put you in the, um, in the screen here and get you uh, going on here. I apologize, put you on the, on the big screen. But Allison, I'm sorry, I'm exhausted. I think you need to take over the rest of the show because this trip was exhausting. <laughs> I've got a lot to say about it. Oh, I love family. it. I love it. Airline, it's just abysmal. <laughs> am, I, am I wrong? It's like a smart if car. If the, if the place in the Bahamas does want to sponsor your guests and send them yes. to the Bahamas, I would still go. Of course. If they need that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I found out that 100,000 airline miles still doesn't get a family of three across the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need doesn't. about a million, a million miles away. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, I thought that was a lot. And I was incorrect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I don't want to complain because people, you know, they wanted to travel and all this stuff. And I know we've been doing, you know, for two years, we've had all kinds of stuff. And getting on a plane for some people, it's been hard. But I tell you the truth, they make it, they make it miserable. Don't tell me to have a wonderful experience when you're, when you're putting somebody in a middle seat and, and, and the space in between, there's no room to put. And again, I'm not saying I'm a small person. I'm a little bit. My corporation has expanded nicely over the years, but <laughs> I just don't get it that they, they want you to, you're right on top of each other. You can't even, and then so, I get hit by the person next to me all the time. And that's yeah, not my wife. Elbow, like it'll be some fight for elbow domination. Oh um, my God. It's like a, and great, then there's the people who do bare feet. Oh um, goodness. Put, disgusting. Which I read somewhere that like normal seats, like plastic seats you have in a cafeteria that they've increased in size over the last like 20 years because Americans have increased in size, um, myself included. But uh, but airline seats, I, I'm pretty sure, have shrunk 
Like no, just, no one's ass can fit on those seats. No one. I'm sorry. No. I don't care how big. No. You know, a little kid maybe. But if you're five foot six and above, and weigh 165 pounds and above, don't even bother. Right? It it just that's what they've made it for. Uh, these airlines. You know, enough with these small aircraft. Give me a Concorde or something. Give me something that has a. a the, remember the ones that had the you know scene from. Uh, the wedding singer where they had the stairs going to first class. Remember that? Whatever happened oh, to yeah. that? That would be. Uh, I mean, it's 2022. I was hoping we'd have jetpacks now, but we so don't. We, we so. you know, it would have been would have been a lot better to travel uh, that way. I just don't understand yeah. it because it's like a Greyhound bus now in the sky, but the Greyhound bus doesn't charge you for baggage. Greyhound bus is better. Yeah. Um, I mean, I took a bus a couple years ago from New York, and like there was Wi-Fi. That it was a nice wide seat. It was actually more comfortable than a plane, I would say. Yeah, I, I don't know how they fix this, other than maybe they don't sell middle seats anymore, and they figure out a way. Again, they sit there like with pencils at the airport, uh, putting in costs. Like they they're they're so poor, they don't they can't figure it out. Just charge me. I've always said that they they do it. Um, with they've got all the seats they know how much they need to make it's like to me a baseball stadium in the sky you buy the tickets on april 8th or you buy it on april 15th or the day of the game it's the same price for the different rows why can't they do that why, why is this so <laughs> difficult and stop with this you got to put the bags in the overhead compartment and then they're yelling on the loudspeaker oh we're, we're it's a sold out floyd and we need you to check your bag well you could have thought of that before right just check the damn bag I mean, I, <laughs> there was a trick. I'm not recommending this because it's lying, but a, a writer I worked with who had to fly back and forth between LA and New York a lot used to wear a neck brace. So then he would get on first and be able to always put his bag up and then just go to sleep. <laughs> that is a, I won't, I won't name names. So <laughs> no, that is, that is a very good thing. And we'll get, we'll, we're going to segue into that. I mean, you've had a, a very impressive uh, career, you, uh, the TV guide, leather theater, but I wanted to ask you about Conan. I mean, that seems to me uh, a very interesting, he had the whole um, thing moving to TBS from, from NBC, the, the tonight show thing that was not, didn't go very well, but Conan's very funny, very good show. I wanted to get your experience uh, with that. Why don't you, I want to put you on the solo. Nobody needs to, to see me uh, if you're watching on YouTube and <laughs> now Twitter. I myself. Yeah. Oh. There you uh, go. <laughs> talk about Conan a little bit. Talk about, you know, working with him and how that how, what was. You did some sketches and stuff. Um, I, yeah, I was there um, for The Tonight Show and then also for um, the TBS show for, I think I was at the TBS show like two seasons and then left. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, uh, that was my first experience with Late Night. It was when um, a lot of the staff had just moved over from New York for The Tonight Show and I mean, it's a really fun show to work on. Conan's obviously like one of the funniest people you'll ever meet, one of the smartest people you'll ever meet, but also so are his um, writers. Um, and it's one of those places where different thing can happen every day. There would be a news story and they'd, you know, have a sketch by the end of the day. Um, I remember being in Chicago, I think it was in Chicago, we were doing a week of shows and there was something going on with an ostrich wearing a G-string. <laughs> And they made it happen, but then it got cut. And I was like, that's show business where an ostrich <laughs> gets cut from the show. Um, yeah, it was it was a good experience. Um, it's definitely one of those, like, you know, the the pressure of putting a show on every day is um, is very different from just, like, 
writing a script for a couple months and thinking about it. And um, I really enjoyed that show and the people there. Um, uh, but I do, I think I'm, I knew I was more interested in like the half hour world and writing characters and, and story, but it was really, it was a really fun experience. <laughs> and so, also really good, yeah. um, really good snacks. Ooh. We have a lot of birthday cakes there at the time. Um, would, and uh, they send you a lot of food to the green room. So that was, speaking of expanding in your seat, yeah. I Well, exactly. And I always loved that. I worked at a newspaper, and we would get things delivered all the time. And we would just get, there would be food every single day. And it was just, and then everybody had a birthday, right? It's like the episode of Seinfeld. Enough already with the sugar at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But then you realize that you want the sugar at 3 o'clock in the afternoon because you start getting a a sugar rush and needing it like Elaine did in the one thing. We had made a secret foodies group email where we would send restaurant recommendations and also let people know when there was cake. So the foodies would like get there early. So they'd always get cake. This was a huge staff. I think it was like 150 or two. I forget exactly. But um, and so we did do a bit at one point where we did a cake sting um, because I had let them know. (laughs) They were like, you always get the cake. I'm like, well. (laughs) Yes. Where where is the cake? We want the cake, please. (laughs) Um, So Conan did a sting and found out like who gets there first. And uh, I think Andy Richter was one of the first people and some other staff members. And it's pretty funny. (laughs) So do you still keep in touch with them? A little bit here and there. I keep in touch with some people from the show. I mean, I haven't. It's been. I, what year did I? I left there in 2013. So, um, it's the kind of people where when I run into them, I'm so happy to see everyone. They're like family. Um, my last good night in New York City before COVID and before I had a kid was like I ran into Lori Kilmartin, who is an amazing comedian, at the airport, and she got me tickets for a show in New York because I was flying to New York, and like it was the most. Such a fun night. And so, yeah, I'm, I, everyone there is really close to my heart. Um, don't see them enough, but that's just kind of life, yeah. you know. But you have in yeah. your cell phone, I would imagine, it'll say Conan O'Brien, right? You have you have the cell phone. I, I don't really call Conan. <laughs> I thought, I thought I maybe mean, you did. He was always very nice to yes. me. Um, but, you know... Uh, I was closer to some other people yeah. on that show, but sure. yeah, but he was, he was a good, like he would remember when I first started there, my now husband boyfriend then was doing an engineering job where it was like traveling all over. And at one point, like he had, Conan had asked him and like, Oh, how's Baltimore, wherever he was. And, and Pete was like, my mom doesn't remember where I am. So he's, he's very smart yeah. and very sharp. Um, but uh, but also all comedians, they all have their dark side. They're all, oh, you know, all of us. We're all, we're all crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's what makes the genius. And, you know, you look at the, you know, Conan, you look at other, uh, you know, comedians and they they've got that ability. Right. And Jay Leno, too. And yeah, all I mean, the for me, I say like, uh, I was an only child. So maybe I needed attention. Hey, welcome to the club. Had- me, too. Yeah. And then I had to wear a weird chin gear from like age five to 10 <laughs> and wear it to sleepovers. And like, and then I had a permanent retainer where I'd like, like oh. that. So I think that's probably why I went into comedy. I think those two reasons. Are, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, talk to me a little bit about the, I was, a, when I was growing up, so this is, I'm a lot older than you, but I remember that getting the TV guy delivered. Okay. And I would yes. get the TV guy at every, and I could not wait to get the TV guide. I would do the TV guide crossword. I loved it. You created a TV guide letter theater. Explain a little bit to someone like me who just loved the TV guide. How do we, (laughs) I mean, this was, this is one of those examples of anyone who, you know, 
um, just make things. If you're if you're a creative person, you're like, oh, don't always just wait for permission to make something. Um, and so my writing partner, Scott Chernoff and I, when we were working at the Tonight Show, you know, the, the show would get all these magazines because you needed topical stuff. And um, we would read each other TV guide um, during rehearsal when there was like a break in rehearsal. And we started seeing these letters and we thought it was so funny because people would write letters and ask questions you could have just Googled. And we just thought that was hilarious. So we would read them to each other and we thought they were so funny. And then when the Tonight Show got canceled and we had some downtime, um, we're like, let's make a web series about that. And we did that for like a hundred bucks and we acted and used some other actors we knew. And, um, and it was one of those things where like, well, this is just fun. It's just a web series. And then TV Guide featured it and gave us a web cheer and invited us to some hot list parties <laughs> back in the day. And, um, and so it was, and Huffington Post featured it. So it was like one of those random things where you can make something on your own and you don't know where it's going to go. And we, we weren't sure if TV guy would sue us, but luckily they liked it and thought it was really funny. I think we did like three seasons for a while. It was like on funny or die, which featured it, but now funny or die changed. I'm not sure where it is right now, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was one (laughs) It's one of those funny things. All right. Well, I so. love it. I, I'm, you know, as soon as like TV is all screwed up now, you got to watch it when, you know, it's all on demand. It's different. I mean, it was must see TV at certain times and you needed a TV guide to figure out what was on. Yeah. Now, now you spend three hours trying to find the show. And by the time you find it, it's been over because it, there's too many channels uh, on every single yeah. cable, whatever. It's, it's crazy. But I mean, it was just, we made, we made that show what year, in 2010 and like, we had the internet then. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. People still, they would write like, well, what was this actor on this show? And I'm like, you can just go to IMDB and look it up. You don't oh. need to write a letter. Wait for the letter to come back. <laughs> My wife, it gets annoying sometimes because we're watching TV and she sees, I, I know who the actor is like, I'll say, you know, that's somebody and she'll have to check on me to make sure that I was yeah. right. So she looks at IMDb. She doesn't trust you. No, absolutely not. After 30, I don't know how many. Yeah, exactly. They, she does not trust me. But usually, you know, I will say that I'm right sometimes. The people don't don't always you know, admit it. But uh, I'm able to pick up. And certain voices, I was watching an episode of Seinfeld the other day. And it was the episode with the goiter lady. And I'm listening to her, her, her voice. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Edie McClure. Like, there's certain people that you could hear yeah. their voice. I don't care where they are. It's like, I'm Marge Sweetwater, you know, Thornton Mellon's private secretary. Um, but yeah. she's got that voice that I, that, I, that I certainly remembered. And speaking of voices. I met her yeah. at a TV Guide party, I think. Oh, you did? She seemed like she'd be. I, I'll tell you, she was great. I was related by her. Yeah. Yeah. She, he's, he's a righteous dude. From uh, far as, uh, <laughs> speaking of voices, uh, we lost the uh, the great Gilbert Gottfried um, this past week, and uh, the yeah. good thing is we haven't seen the last of him. Apparently, he died on uh, on April twelfth at the age of sixty seven. But his role of the clever parrot Lago uh, Yago, what is it, Lago or Yago Lago in uh, Disney's Aladdin, as well as two hundred hours of content left on his cameo page. So we'll still get to see him. That is one of the benefits. I talked about this uh, when Betty White died and when others have died. One of the benefits of, of now is that you can go back and just watch stuff, like I did with Bob Saget or I did this with, yeah. with others. You just go back and watch, and it's kind of amazing um, to be able to do that now. You know, yeah. watching the talent of the years that they've been on or – uh, it is kind of it is kind of sad. We also live on yeah. forever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is, which is good because there's been so many hard to take 
losses recently, you know, of all ages. Um, Gilbert Gottfried, I mean, he was pretty young, like 67. I know. It, it, yeah, he, he was sick for a while. Um, but, yeah, yeah. He, I think he posted something about the Will Smith smack um, recently. That was the last time I think he posted anything. But he has always yeah. been. Everybody had great things to say about it. We also lost uh, two mothers on Seinfeld. We lost Liz Sheridan and Estelle Harris recently. Liz Sheridan just oh, yeah. died uh, at 93. Um, and, wow. you know, Jerry uh, Seinfeld said Liz was um, always the sweetest, nicest TV mom a son could wish for. He wrote alongside a picture of the pair. And it's, it's sad. And, uh, you know, Jason Alexander also, you know, his TV mama was Estelle Harris. And, you know, I'll never forget the episode. You were treating your body like an amusement park. <laughs> yeah, that, she was yeah, she, um, yeah. Seinfeld is one of the shows I also I so I teach some TV writing classes at the writing pad and um I Seinfeld's one of the shows. I'm like, that's a really good show to see how they interweave stories. It's just, you know, classic. Yeah, because truly it is a story about show about nothing, but there's something that happens, right? It's not it's yeah. not totally about nothing. But it but it, it was kind of where that the way they ended it, it was kind of cool. What are your thoughts of uh of curb your enthusiasm after watching Seinfeld or working on what, what are your thoughts of that? I always really liked curb your enthusiasm, but I didn't, I haven't seen as much of it. So yeah. like I've seen some episodes and, um, but, and I, I really, and it, I actually wrote a spec of it when I like was for, in college, I think. Um, so it was a show I enjoy, but like, I don't, I didn't keep up with it. Right. Which I probably should have. It's a really good show. Uh, I think it's kind of like an R-rated version of Seinfeld, but the characters are just brilliant. Um, everything is done, and it's it's a lot of improv. Uh, I think a lot yeah. of the script is is improv. I and, love everyone in it. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. They're, so it's it's just a fantastic group of comedy people, but, um, but I haven't seen it. I think Seinfeld was on when I was like, you know, you'd watch reruns and um, eat a TV dinner when I was a kid, and then like, <laughs> yeah and now, then like curb was on when i was like starting to work in tv i think if i remember correctly but yeah yeah so what are your thing i mean you you've been involved in writing you've been involved in, in tv and, and what about movies ideas because i'm getting tired of the reboots they're 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 gonna do a movie which should not have ever be rebooted with anybody else character but white man can't jump celebrated uh what was it from 30 years yeah, 30 right? years right and uh now they're apparently going to be doing a reboot um where rapper jack harwell will now play billy previously played by woody harrelson and cinco walls will play sydney originally by whitney uh, wesley snipes let me just tell you i am officially out there is no way i am watching a reboot of of white man can't jump when it was brilliant the way it was you don't need anything yeah, it seems like a weird one to remake because it it's like yeah it, it doesn't feel like yeah I, I don't know that it doesn't seem like a franchise movie that you keep making you know it's not like a fast and the furious it's and it is perfect in itself um so and I mean, we know white men can't jump. We know that now. So, is, are we exploring any new <laughs> I don't territory? Know. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I, I mean, nobody could play Rosie Perez as I'll take foods with the letter Q, or you know, Billy, you're so stupid. It's infinity plus infinity. You can't. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but why would you even go down this path? And who greenlights that? You know. Or and have you, you seen um, Flight Attendant with her? Yes. Yeah, she's fantastic. Oh, she's yeah. great. I love that show. It's actually appearing. Uh, season two is coming out in a, in a week or so. Yeah, it's such a great show. That, but yeah, I mean, movies, I, 
it's both. Yeah, there's a lot of remakes, but there's also like, ex- I mean, there's still exciting things happening in independent film because you can shoot so cheaply. Now. I mean, um, this is a couple years back, but like the movie, did you ever see the movie Tangerine was all shot on the iPhone? And now there's the new iPhone 13, which I'm actually shooting an indie feature on. And so like, it's exciting what you can do now. Yes. Yeah. But, but unfortunately, the studios, I feel like, don't want to take a lot of risks, so they're just doing a lot of remakes. Yeah, I, Marvel. I, I mean, I like Marvel movies, and um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I worked on a, um, I produced a movie called Random Tropical Paradise a couple of years ago, where so that was kind of fun to go from TV Guide Letter Theater, where it's like we're paying people in pizza, to shooting a movie in Florida, where we're like shooting on a yacht and we have bad guys, and it was like a full. Um, so I love that world too. Like a movie is, it's more of a marathon. Well, TV is marathon too, but I mean, we were doing like the six day weeks kind of thing and yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, so did you ever see the movie Boogie Nights? Yes. Okay. So you know the movie. I don't want to, I just wanted to. So they were asking, so Mark Wahlberg, apparently a lot of Hollywood stars, what they do is they, they take a prop or two from the movie, right? So mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg, of course, has a has a large lifelike uh, version of what he showed at the end of the movie. Let's just say, yeah, um, yeah. So uh, they were asking, level, so to speak, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he answered a bunch of questions on whether or not he still has the prosthetic version of of that that he wore in in Boogie Nights, and he said it's saved and locked away. He told Ellen DeGeneres, "It's not something I can leave out. My kids are." You know, maybe they're looking for a spare phone charger and they, they pull that thing out. It's not, it's not a good look. And you with a young, you know, it's like you got you to gotta hide the stuff, but it's safely locked away uh, on it. But, of course, Wahlberg played uh, Dirk Diggler in the Paul Thomas Anderson 1997 film. He got a Screen Actors Guild nomination for it. It was a, a tremendous movie. He mentioned that his daughter um, asked whether he's seen the film, and Wahlberg mentioned his daughter had, but uh, she hasn't had the conversation oh. with me. Thank goodness. Thank God he said She's sparing me for that. So uh, yeah. I enjoyed that movie. But, yeah, I, I guess if you had to take a prop from the movie, Marky Mark, uh, who was just selling his, uh, I talked about this last week, $67 million Beverly Hills mansion or something, like $80, $80 million. But something. he bought for like $8 million. Yeah, I know. And we were talking about 20 bathrooms last week. Um, I just don't understand why you I- would need 20 bathrooms. Maybe he has like IBS. I don't know. Like, what? <laughs> like that seems like a lot of bathrooms. Like. That- I mean, I've been to some very nice houses, and I'm always like, "Do you? Why does anyone need? I feel like four is the max you need. Really, like two to three is good, unless you have like twelve children. But like twenty bathrooms, I just don't no. understand. But would you try <laughs> all twenty bathrooms if you just moved in? Eventually, You'd, it would take. You I mean, I, I think I would. Yeah. yeah. I would too, but here's my problem. Okay. As someone who doesn't like to use public restrooms, I like to be at home base. I'm not a public restroom. I've talked about this before. And at some point, if you're in a house that big with 20 bathrooms, some of them just feel like you're going to the neighbor's house. Like you wouldn't have that personal feel, right? You don't have your stuff there. No. (laughs) (laughs) You need your stuff. I mean, come on. It's just so. Anyway, you've done all this stuff. What what are you doing now? And uh, are you going to get back into into doing a little more? I know the, the children are more important right now. Yeah, it's been it's been weird with a I had a kid and she's amazing and I love her so much and she was 6 months when the pandemic started so then it was sort of like oh, I want to keep her safe and not let anyone in the house. So, 
it's been a little weird, but now life is starting to get back to normal. Uh, I'm working on an indie film and writing a new script with Scott. And uh, yeah, so it's it's good. It's starting to get back to normal. But, uh, but also it's a new normal because I still am a mom now. And before with being a writer, sometimes, you know, I could write for 12 hours a day and I can't do that now. So because um, I like to take care of my child and make sure she's happy and healthy. And all that- those crazy that is a look at that. I like that. She likes to take care of her, her child. That is a prerequisite. Yes, with a two and a half year old, that is uh, definitely yeah. Something. She's she's so much fun. Um, but yeah, I definitely am now getting into a better schedule, shooting something new, um, which I'm really excited about. But also is a super small thing, so it's kind of nice to like I hadn't shot anything myself in a while, so that's great. Working on a new script. Um, and then also thinking a lot about like representation in the media. I mean, that's been a big topic over the past few years. My husband actually helped design an, um, a function with Final Draft 11 that like helped have an inclusivity report. And so with also having a girl now and like what she sees in the media, like definitely that's like kind of a thing I'm really, really pondering now is like, what do I want her to see? What would make me excited? Um she loves Frozen, and oh. I, I do love um, in Frozen that, like, the love is about between sisters. You know, I think that's a nice message. But um, but also, I think it's really important for kids to see different body types, different able-bodiedness. So those are kind of the things I'm pondering as I'm moving forward with some writing projects. Um, but also, I still just want to make people laugh. Well, and. I'm the same yeah. way. I actually have an idea for a TV show. I've, I do have Final Draft 12. I did buy that. Um, and I wrote a, a little preliminary script. Maybe I'll send it to you. You can take a look at it and see if we can work together. But it's, a, it's kind of an idea of somebody moving from, Kentucky, from New York to Kentucky. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool uh, premise because that's what I did. Um, I moved yeah. from New York City to, to, uh, to Kentucky. We have a mutual friend. Mara, Mara Golding is the reason we're together today. We all thank her. She appeared on an episode mm-hmm. back uh, um, in, I believe, season one. I don't know. We've done three. This is 106 episodes already of wow. this, Allison. I cannot believe it. Now, you did a podcast. Yes. So go back and listen <laughs> to Mara's episode. I think it was December yeah. of 2020 she came on. Um, she is in a list of 106 episodes. You can find it on all the places, uh, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. Uh, you can even ask Alexa to play Lens Burning Bush. But you can like us on Facebook at Lens Burning Bush and follow along at Lens Burning Bush on Twitter. We're streaming on Net, oh, excuse me, Netflix. Listen to me. I, was, I had the idea of Netflix. That maybe they'll come on, uh, but it's YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook Live, you can see the video uh, uh, as well. So go over to those and subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, please. So you can watch uh, you can watch uh, Allison on because she's uh, wonderful today. Thank you, thank you so much. I'm glad that uh, we were hooked up together uh, by Mara, and you know maybe we'll have you on again after you've got your uh, your new script ready to go for it's going to be launched somewhere. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna leave with uh, Blue Jellies, our uh, band in Northern Kentucky. That uh, I'm just gonna play a little bit more of of the Lens Burning Bush theme. What do you think of the uh, of the theme song to Lens Burning Bush? With- it's- 
It's pretty great and pretty catchy. I uh, think it's going to be in my head all day. Oh, it'll be in your head all day. But thanks to Blue Jelly, they're a Northern Kentucky uh, band. They do a great job, and they were nice enough. They came on for the 100th episode, and they gave me a little uh, special, special treat. But uh, but thank you so much, Allison. Floral uh, that rhymes with squirrel. That's how we're going to remember yep. that. If you're spelling it, it's F L I E R L, but it it's floral. So we'll uh, do that. But yep. thank you so much for joining. Thank we'll, you. We'll be back with another episode of Lens Burning Bush next week. So long.